You are about to opt in to Monerotopia, a show for the Monero community where all are welcome to join. From noob to maxi, no matter what bags you hold. Just sit back and relax to the sweet sounds of Monero's latest progress. Or if you're feeling inspired, join us on stage. Remember, the only thing that can stop Monero is a false belief that it can be stopped. And if you want to win the revolution faster, we recommend you remove your XMR from all custodial exchanges immediately. Warning, boating accidents are common around here. Don't forget to properly secure your private keys. Monerotopia starts now. All right, we are live. We are Freedom Fest. George, how's it going? It's going great. It's Freedom Fest. My new book is Life After Capitalism, though, and Freedom Fest is moved into an underground role in uh, our culture, which is increasingly dominated by what I call emergency socialism, where wherever, whenever the government wants to expand power, it announces a new fake emergency, COVID or climate or some uh, other idiotic crisis that uh, justifies the experts taking over. And, and this is really the big opportunity for crypto because we're now in a kind of phase of the world economy that I call life after capitalism. And capitalism is the underground movement, but it's the movement which uh, bears all progress and all future accomplishment for the human race. Uh, socialism is a route to ruin. And so currencies like Monero probably have an increasing role. And the key challenge to them is have amused rather than merely hodled or clutched or hidden or something. They got to be used. You don't get to keep anything in capitalism unless you give it away. It's got to be invested. Yeah, yeah. Before we went live here, we were just briefly talking about Monero. And I think you said you've been at a conference in the past where Monero was highlighted. Uh, but you were then asking, how's Monero doing? And my response was, it's doing great. It's going up in adoption. It's growing in adoption. We're seeing more transaction counts. And uh, I think that's indicative of the fact that it's actually being used. And then I think your question was, well, where, where are you seeing this adoption? And the answer is primarily like on things like the dark markets. We're, you're seeing a demand there. Vendors that are you know only accepting Monero. Dark marketplaces that are moving to Monero only. Dark marketplaces yeah, that are moving right, right, right. to Monero vending only. So what, what's your take on that? Do you see that as well, an I, in, I, indication I of, it, that I, it might be growing? I, I think ultimately dark markets, not sure of the economy. So they're a, a kind of retreat from the economy. So I've, I uh, hope to see Monero really triumphs when it uh, breaks out into the real economy around the world. And and there's an increasing opportunity because nations are nationalizing and fragmenting the world economy. Bitcoin, Monero, and the rest of the cryptocurrency, all our entrepreneurial efforts transcend these increasingly obsolete national boards. What's going on, man? You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is David Croissant. I've been working for a company called Start9 Labs. Uh, what we do is we created an operating system uh, for general purpose hosting of any kind of software and uh, data that you that you want so that you can take back control of uh, your yeah, digital yeah. property from Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, all these guys that uh, we've been voluntarily phone, giving all of our uh, all of our property over to in exchange for becoming the product, right? This, this idea of being, if the product's free, then you are the product and in exchange they're advertising, tracking the information, selling off metadata, surveillance with alongside the government, all this good stuff. So uh, what we're building is essentially we're allowing we're, we're creating the tools, the arms even, if you will, to allow the people to take back control of that digital property in their lives and, and take, take ownership and responsibility back over that. And that includes running your own Bitcoin or Monero node if you want to. So Bitcoin, Lightning are on there now and uh, working on packaging up Monero as well. Very cool. So it's just, it just becomes an easy way to 
to use crypto the right way, essentially, right? So running your own node, things like that. You guys are trying to make that as user friendly as possible to to spread the adoption of of using crypto in the in the proper fashion. Is that is that fair? Yeah, to say? absolutely. So a lot of our competitors are actually started off as Bitcoin nodes. And they're uh, now moving into kind of what we do. Whereas what, what we started with three years ago was this idea of being general purpose as an operating system so that you could choose whatever you want to run. Um, now, an immediate use case obviously would be a cryptocurrency node, but there are obviously you might want to do file storage or replace your Google or Microsoft suite with Nextcloud, things of that nature. So, but yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that it's the, the, the objective is easy, ease of use, right? Because you could always, if you had Linux and systems administration skills, you could have always done this in the past 20 years on your own. But the idea is to make it here as easy as possible. So we have an experience similar to using a mobile device where you have a marketplace with one-click install of whatever software it is that you want. And then uh, that, that software is available just after that one click. And if you want to change advanced configuration, you can, but we provide sensible default for those that George, I don't know if I don't know if you were able to hear all that from over here. Can you explain to people essentially what what your expertise is in and some of the some of the uh, theories you've had and predictions and essentially the way you, you see the world and why you're known for this? Well, I was the pioneer of supply side economics. I wrote Wealth and Poverty in uh, 1980, and Ronald Reagan made it his most made me his most quoted living author, and uh, it sold millions of copies all around the world and in hundreds of editions in Dot in China and Russia. Last year, of, or a couple of years ago, before COVID, I wrote Life After Google, which uh, was um, my first really big bestseller since Wealth and Poverty, the Reagan era. And Life After Google was adopted as the best social science book published in China last year. And uh, so I, or not last year, in 2019. And I made hundreds of appearances all over China. What was your basic thesis in that book? It's, it's that ultimately uh, the world faces two great hacking crises. The first great hacking crisis is the hacking of the internet. The internet's a totally porous pyramid that is hacked by goons and nerds every day. And it's uh, no, it's as they patch up the structure, uh, it, the attack surface expands, so it becomes more vulnerable and more a porous pyramid. And uh, the other great hacking crisis is world money. The central banks of the world have hacked world money and so that it no longer means anything. Money was a measuring stick. That's what gives it validity and significance. And uh, it's been turned into a magic wand for central banks who essentially hacked their, their economies. And this is why uh, the movement toward uh, Bitcoin, and I tell the story of Bitcoin. I first wrote about Bitcoin back in 2014 or so in Scandal of Money, which told of the hypertrophy of finance, which uh, in which central banks just rule the world economy by manipulating money. And uh, money was gold. Under uh, money is gold, we had 200 years with zero inflation, essentially zero inflation. And uh, we had the Industrial Revolution. And in 1971, essentially, this new theory emerged that uh, currency trading could take the place of gold. Milton Friedman, who was advising Reg, uh, Nixon at the time of predicted that the price of gold would collapse after we left the gold standard and that this perfect market of currency trading would uh, emerge around the world. And instead, we now have $10 trillion a day of currency trading. It's 70 times bigger than all the trade in goods and services. And it doesn't even give a settled valuation for anything. It's a pure guesswork manipulated by governments. And so we have a 
money crisis, and I assume ventures like Monero are trying to address this monetary crisis. But they won't succeed if they imagine that money is valuable because it's scarce and hidden or perfectly private or whatever that succeeds when it's used. Money is only can succeed when it's used. And the big opportunity for the cryptocurrencies comes from uh, the cancellation of money by all the national governments. They, they're naming valuations themselves, favor their political interests. So, so there's a great opportunity for world money playing the role that gold played in the past. Money not as a magic wand for politicians, money as a measuring stick for all values and transactions. Ultimately, money is time, is my theme. My, the, my, what remains scarce when everything else grows abundant is time. And uh, money and Bitcoin is time stamped and uh, Monero is time stamped. Those are valuable insights that reflect the ultimate scarcity that underlies all valuations across the economy, which is the scarcity of time, time prices. There's a great new book out called Superabundance, which uh, was written by Gail Pooley and Marion Tupi, and uh, I, I wrote the foreword for it. And uh, it's based on time prices. Money is time, and it transcends all these fractious, disputatious, and increasingly delusional currency pervading the world and corrupting its commerce. So do you think crypto is inevitable at this point, that it will succeed in achieving these goals of being, you know, censorship resistant, a censorship resistant utility for transferring value and, you know, a digital gold commodity? Do you think that 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 is inevitable or we're still in the in the early days and we don't know if this is actually going to live up to its its promise nothing's inevitable in this world you got to earn your uh, accomplishments it's entrepreneurial creativity can has become inevitable or regarded to be inevitable because of the emergence of free economies till we had free economy for centuries we lived in a world of monarchies and totalitarian regimes and primitive tribes and you know entrepreneurial capitalism was a great miracle that emerged really with the gold standard in uh, the 18th century uh, isaac newton was the pioneer of it. but it's not inevitable We've had dark ages before, but money reflecting the inexorable scarcity of time and economics, which frames all values, is a crucial instrument of economic progress. And there's, and there's a lot of question. My own belief is that uh, we have not arrived at the perfect money yet. I mean, we have thousands of competitors to, to produce the new world money. Can't be capped, this old idea of having Boy, I like I like where this conversation's headed. Keep, keep going, keep money, going. Money can't be capped. This whole idea that, that you uh, have a specific number of possible coins ever produced and then expect to grow rich uh, hodling them is a great delusion of the crypto movement. They got to get beyond that. They got to understand that the rule of capitalism is you only keep what you can give away, what you can invest, what you can uh, allow other people to use. And uh, that's the source of all prosperity. And, and uh, there is a great delusion in the Bitcoin movement, which is that... Uh, you can cap and uh, have a, a, a limited money supply. I mean, you hear down at Miami Beach where they had the big Bitcoin conference, everybody was talking, we got a limited supply, so you're going to get rich uh, by hodling. And, and hodling. It's a great sales tactic. 
well, it, it, it's, it's been a successful sales tactic to some degree, but, but you got to create money that people can use productively enterprise and human unleash human creativity and entrepreneurial. Are, are you familiar with the fact that Monero has a tail emission and isn't a tail emission and is doesn't have a cap. Monero oh, doesn't have right. a cap. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's definitely good. The, the money should always always be available where it can be profitably used. It shouldn't rise in price with its demand. It's a measuring stick. It's like the Système International in Paris, which has the measuring sticks that apply to all the physical materials used in the world economy from the kilogram, the mole, the lumen, the all these, uh, the watt, the, all these uh, measuring sticks. And each one of them, every one of them, ultimately re is based on the scarcity of time. That's, they all ultimately have a hertz or a frequency or a, some, they're ultimately get their value or ultimate unit, their foundation is the speed of light, universal constant, which underlies all the other measuring sticks, including money. And uh, the speed of light, the span of life, time governs all things and governs, and money is the instrument of time manifested in economics. Wow, we, we, we're, <laughs> we are, this, this could be like a five hour show right here. I mean, I, I gotta go on stage. Oh. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I want to jump, pass it back over to you. I mean, yeah, a so lot was just said there. I'd love to riff on this idea of time as money because that is the ultimate currency, right? Current. It's energy. This is how we pass. This is uh, what's important to you is what you spend your time on, what you pay attention to, right? This is this is the only money that, that we know of that exists as a physical law of the universe, right? Whereas all of the proxies created by man. Uh, are just that. They're a proxy for time. Typically, they can be a proxy for any kind of good or service, obviously. But ultimately, time is that only scarce resource as far as we know. You know, uh, potentially time travel is an option, but uh, maybe we shouldn't go down that road. But yeah, I love that idea of time as the ultimate uh, form of money. How about just in terms of thinking of it as, you know, a ledger? Right. Really, that's what money is at the end of the day. Right. It is a ledger. It's a record keeping of what I owe you. You owe me. No, a ledger. What? Not a legend, a ledger. A ledger. Oh, yeah, a ledger, right. Yeah. And the ledger is time-stamped because if you have transactions, their sequence is critical, so it's necessarily in a time frame, and that gives it its monetary value as a measuring stick. Right, and so for the first time, as far as we know, we have, we have this ledger where we can keep track of data, in an incorruptible, permanent way, yeah. uh, and, and record it for all of time, and essentially record a communication between the, these peers for all of time, right? Coming to consensus. Now, the, the major difference between Bitcoin and Monero, uh, you know, same basic concept, blockchain, proof of work, okay. nodes coming to consensus on the ledger. The primary difference is Monero's ledger is obfuscated, whereas Bitcoin's is transparent. We'd love to hear your opinion on that. The Monero formulation is an emergency needed at a time of life after capitalism and where Bitcoin has really gone astray and it's, it's imposed scarcity. You know, this cap on it means that it's not really oriented toward unleashing economic activity. It's oriented toward uh, hodling and... But how about the transparent aspect so, of it so versus I, not I, I, being obfuscated? You don't need this, this business of uh, rendering economic activity secret or uh, encrypted is, is, is valuable if you've got a socialist regime ruling the world uh, combined with a kind of nationalist fragmentation that thwarts international commerce, then uh, then capitalism goes underground and Monero is kind of a, 
instrument for underground capitalism. If it really gets used, if it's really needed in all these countries that are increasingly uh, ruled by predatory politicians, then uh, you got to hide. So, but, but ultimately, economic activity is inherently transparent. You, you got to be able to uh, read the ledger or, or the ledger is, loses its real meaning. So I see Monero as an emergency device, but I don't see it as the answer, as my, would be my... You wouldn't, you wouldn't want it I to... I don't think we want everybody, all money to be untraceable. And un, I think there's an identity, everything anonymous. I think anonymity is a trap anonymity uh, we're individual human beings and capitalism flourishes by unleashing people with real identities into the world i mean when, when you and you've so read i don't, don't want to be uh uh hidden or private or pseudonymous i want to be george gilder author of life after capitalism which will be out on october 11th and I got to go. But, 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 but I'm sure you don't want everybody knowing what you do with your money. It's okay that they know that you exist as a person, but then you should be able to participate in the economy essentially anonymously, no? I, I, you, there's, I don't, uh, I think, yes, uh, there's a role for cash because it's efficient to have everything completely recorded and is... Uh, oppressive and and suboptimal but but i don't think uh most economic activity you want to be known you want to have people know about monero you want to know this is your entrepreneurial project and you want it to be public you know what it well the project yeah but not the the use not who's using it and what they're using it for and how much they're they're using like you because you had mentioned friedman i think right yeah and so, I mean, one of the things he theorized was was that there'll be a digital cash. And he wasn't just talking that it, it will be non-fiat, but saying that it will actually be cash-like and that there'll be an anonymous digital money. Okay, well, I, I think there is going to be a... It's not the only money. I mean, it's invested money is usually public. I mean, I think it's it's not an absolute issue. It's There's some applications for cash, which does afford uh, an envelope of freedom for uh, uh, people's activities, particularly in the face of oppressive governments. I don't, uh, I have nothing to hide that I think there's a vanity, uh, there's a kind of nerd vanity that imagines all their little crotchets and their, this, Behavior is somehow of vast interest to the uh, to everybody else, and the fact is, we all have our personal lives. and And yes, if government wants to investigate our personal lives, they can do it. And uh, it's more destructive. But I'm sure you believe. No, no. If we, I believe the value of. Uh, of Bitcoin or Monero is that you can document unimpeachably your behavior, your transactional activities. So when the tax man comes, demands that you, uh, that says you are avoiding taxes or, or defrauding your business or whatever it is, you got an unimpeachable an immutable ledger that you can present. It it allows attestation, and that's its great value. It's it's it gives individual you have your identity is on the blockchain and it's immutable, and uh, can't be usurped by a government. and And that's the that's a big advance. Otherwise, the government sends the cops to your door and uh, they may get it wrong and uh, arrest the wrong person, but they'll 
carry you away and throw you in the back of the truck. Uh, this is governments can get you if they want to. What the blockchain does is give you a, an unimpeachable answer. You can you can document your behavior unimpeachably. So is it possible that maybe that's what Bitcoin's use cases, but then the but Monero would take on maybe the more well, digital cash Bitcoin use case. Has to get rid of its cap. I think this whole idea of having a cap currency that you hodl is just bullshit. All right, let, let me let this. There, a lot. Once again, a lot was I said mean, there. It have a use. It's having a use. It's uh, but it's not a it's not a currency if it goes up and down with in response to demand that's not a currency that's uh no no these are these are valid points i mean uh a lot to get into there what what is your your opinion on on bitcoin uh monero and just this concept of digital cash you know there, there was a lot said there what, yeah what for are your sure points? i'm a fan uh for sure of bitcoin and monero i use both fluidly and i I, I do think it's interesting, this idea of the tail emission. And there's even um, some talk floating around in the Bitcoin space about potentially changing to adding a tail uh, emission, which obviously that would be pretty controversial. Possibly forks would be uh, created over that. But uh, I think it would be an interesting, uh, it's definitely a conversation worth having, worth having for sure. And George was kind of like saying, you know, true digital cash might be something we don't, we don't want to have as a society. And what's it, most interesting about Bitcoin is its transparency. What's your take on that? Yeah, so I do. I, I love this idea of like anonymity almost as a fetish for a lot of, especially in like the nerd communities, you know, I definitely could uh, relate to that for sure. And I think that like there is something to be said about putting your name and your face on what it is that you do. You know, that really gives credibility to the fact that you stand behind the words that you speak. So there's a place for that. But there's also a place for NIMS, right? Like you may not want to put your name on all of your transactions because that might have something to do with your personal private life. And it's not necessarily that it's something that you want to hide from the government. It's just something that you maybe don't want to broadcast, like in the same way that you wouldn't write your, your bank account de login details. You wouldn't scrawl that on your garage in a Sharpie marker because there's no reason for other people to know that. So uh, there's definitely a place for both. There's a place uh, for an immutable uh, time stamping server where you can post a public record that only you can sign a message to. And there's also uh, that place for, for what you want to do in your private life that you don't want to uh, that you don't want to broadcast. Amazing. So, yeah, he's basically saying, you know, there's there's two potential uh, use cases here. Maybe maybe you have, you know, a Bitcoin ledger that's transparent and then you have a Monero ledger that's obfuscated and they provide two two different services essentially to society it essentially uses the BitTorrent arch architecture right i mean it's so it's it's really destroying information and thus it's inimical to uh, the idea of a time-stamped immutable ledger that uh, captures economic truth and makes it permanently accessible you really get relegated to sort of incidental secret uses and a lot dependent on what's if if regulations completely create a, a forest that's impenetrable to enterprise which is increasingly happening it may be that uh Private enterprise has to go underground. That's the crisis we face. And, uh, and, and national borders are sort of an arbitrary evolution of history. And to have money treated as an instrument of sovereignty was the great lie. I mean, Friedrich Hayek said, the root and source of all economic evil is in the government control of money and uh government should not control money money should uh should be like the system international a measuring stick uh, immutable is the speed of light the kilogram the second the mole uh, watt the uh, lumen, all these seven, there's seven key yeah. measuring sticks that are crucial to all international commerce. And my view is money is a further measuring stick and it's rooted in time. Time is what money reflects. So if 
So fighting against the true messages of a digital ledger on a blockchain with its immutable uh, record is uh, fighting against time. And that hasn't really, uh, it does not result in global prosperity and freedom. Great, amazing comment. Just so a follow up to that. So doesn't that then tie into needing this utility to be most resistant to government control as possible? It's good that current that in the current world, which my book calls Life After Capitalism, there is a real role for a kind of, of money that is not transparent to government, government intervention and control. And there are lots of different monies being invented. And I, I believe, you know, I don't think Monero has got the final answer. And, and uh, so it's got to have entrepreneurial leadership. And that's the question, how good the leadership of the Monero movement is, whether it, it can prevail ultimately. That, that's all of you guys out there. Get, get, get to work. It's not an inevitable. It's, it, it's got to be created and it's got to be made into a vessel of, of free commerce and prosperity. And that's it has to be adopted. People need to see a real need for it and organically start using it. All right, sir. Thank you so much. Wait, I have your I have your book because I want to. So it's life after Google. Right. Can I can I pay with Monero? Can I? Can I buy this book off of you with Monero? That's fine. Uh, but I think the book is owned by that bookstore over there, right? Oh, I thought it was. I thought you're okay. No, it's not mine. Oh. It's uh, all right. So we'll, we'll bring it back to her unless you want to bring it back. Okay. Well, so I could I could buy it off of her for okay. All right. What's your name again? Douglas Tuman. Douglas Tuman. Tuman. T U M A N. Great. Can, can we get your contact? Yeah. We're gonna just. I'm the big four. I've got to go on stage. Okay. No, I know. Thank you so much, man. Greatly appreciate your time. As he said, time is the most valuable thing. So, greatly honored that he was he was willing to sacrifice a lot for us. Interesting dude. He's obviously you know well studied. He is. I you know I, I think he's on top of it in terms of uh, how he sees these technologies playing out. I would have liked to like continue to ask him questions because you know he seemed reluctant to be okay with digital cash. Like he didn't really right. Did you hear? That? Like he didn't really see a, a need for true cash. Yeah, he did open with uh, this idea of it being a tool, an emergency tool. I think he said for times of oppression, mm -hmm. if uh, you know oppressive regimes are, are settling in. And uh, but like transparency but is good. That happened, that's happening right, right now. Right, right, so. right, right. That's why we're all here, at Freedom yeah. Fest. So I would. You know, I, I think he's, he's he's interested and he's hopeful for it. Uh, from, from what I I gather, but uh, yeah. Like, what do you think? Because my my next question I was going to ask him and then ask you is, you know, the does the transparency of Bitcoin essentially create an attack surface for for governments to potentially, you know, control Bitcoin in some ways, you know, through surveillance? Things Only like if the users use KYC exchanges and don't you know, implement good practices. And some people might argue, well, that shouldn't, the ability to uh, to be seen shouldn't be built to the, to the protocol. But like, I think as we kind of spoke about, there's reasons to use a public ledger, especially, I almost think that the idea of using Bitcoin as a mutable source of public record mm -hmm. could potentially be as important as, as its use case as money, right? Because we have these systems that are all run by the state that we use to uh, make public record of things. So, for example, in order to you know, let the world know that a child has been born, you know, like that there's a there's a new life in the world, that's done through this birth certificate process, which is owned by the state, and all kinds of kind of nonsense surrounding that as well. If you if you really dive into it, or like if we exchange, uh, like if you wanted to sell me ten acres of land. Like we might want to put that up there and then we, we don't need to use a title office that's run by the state. There's no reason to involve the state in our life in these ways when we have an immutable public record. Right. So there are these use cases for that. And I kind of I might have veered away from the question. I don't remember the original question there, but hopefully I 
touched on it. Yeah, yeah, we were just Ta- what's going on? <laughs> what's up? Hi, how are you? Thanks for introducing us to George. He's by the super way. smart, he, right? He really took he took over the seat. I need to do like a three-hour podcast with just him. Yeah, he, he's got he's definitely got a lot to say. Really, he's got a lot to say, yeah. and it's so funny because like, okay, this conference that we're at right now filled with boomers. Sorry, guys, uh, but um, they uh, he's one of them. But he's just like such a future thinker. Have you heard of George Gilder before? No, that was my first uh, interaction with him and first yeah. uh, hearing so of him. So he told you a little bit about his background, mm-hmm. like speechwriter, but really predicted a lot of things. But what made me like him is he wrote this book, Life After Google, the fall of big data and the rise of the blockchain economy. And what I liked about it more was the fall of big data. Like, how is that going to happen? I mean, his book has some things that are a little, like, I would say wrong. And um, But, like, I think he thinks, I don't know. Anyways, I'm not going to talk about it. But uh, well, he was, he's interesting. What was interesting? Hi, I'm Erica. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but yeah, Erica, these guys are great. She's well known in the crypto community. Yeah, uh, really, you seem to know like all the most important people in crypto. Apparently, you have a very good, uh, good network. Yeah, I um, I opened up that Bitcoin Center in Miami years ago. That kind of was like a catalyst, and I feel like it made the early people when they came to Miami, they would come to my Bitcoin Center, and so it just kind of brought the right yeah. people. I feel like in crypto, like. If you're serious, you're here in the in the bear markets. People like recognize that and they respect it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of the things that George, so George basically saying, you know, he, he's obviously sees crypto as a potential solution here, mm-hmm. but you know, doesn't think it's inevitable. People need to adopt it and start to use it. But he had, I was surprised by his view on digital cash. Like he. Okay. He's like, well, no, the transparency is okay. Maybe we want to be able to see everybody's transactions. And, you know, like, do, we, do you want to <laughs> live in a world essentially where people can't, can anonymously transact with each other? And he mm-hmm. almost was like, you know, he sees reasons for it, like, yeah. with, you know, political reasons, like okay. <laughs> free speech reasons. There he is. Yeah. You know, censorship resistant money in those use cases. But that overall, yeah. maybe it's like, maybe we don't want the world all transacting anonymously. I mean, I What's can see that. Out? I think that um, if it's possible, kind of like Bitcoin does, to have public transactions that are not controlled by one entity, then it then it might be okay, right? But it's going to be pretty complicated to have something like a CBDC come out that's not controlled by one entity. Bitcoin is generally public, which if it was public, like if like I saw what Obama was, I mean, not to, yeah, you know, if I saw what some of these like crooked people in power were spending on, and everyone could audit that in real time, and he's on the same level that I am, then maybe there's maybe there's merit in that. But unfortunately, I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. So now you you made the the boomer comment, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of boomers there here. There are a lot of people, boomer or not, that just are. Re- resistant to crypto like yeah the, the gold bugs yeah and I do get, you notice that here there's a lot of yeah hate. yeah it's definitely uh gold bugs uh yeah i had a lot of interesting conversations this week for sure about like you know this idea of this thing being digital and so how could it possibly have real world value it's not uh, but we were before you sat down uh, we were chatting about this idea time being kind of the basis of all money and the only really physically scarce property that that we as individuals uh, have and i think that like anything including precious metals is really uh, like a proxy for that and a proxy for whatever we want to exchange with each other whatever energy so yeah so i think you know that's my stance on like i, I love precious metals too i love you know especially lead and brass are my favorite ones you know yeah, yeah. So what, what do we do to get started to get people over that barrier? I mean, they just can't get over that. Know. It's not backed by anything. All right. So then what yeah. is gold backed by? Well, yeah. and then like that, there's reasoning for, but then there's just no way of yeah. taking the leap beyond that. For me, I, so I did the Bitcoin versus gold debate here on stage and I did it last year as well. Okay, um, and so, I'll, you, so you know better than anyone. <laughs> well, I mean, Rich Chicken, who was on yesterday, we're, we're friends and we, we've been doing this for a while and. I think that the appeal that I try to make to the people here is is emotional, right? Which is that everyone at this conference knows how hard it is to get people to understand that gold is important, right? Normal average people don't think that gold is valuable. You have to teach them why it is. And my question to the people that believe in gold and gold only is how do you expect young people to now understand why gold is important? It's never going to happen. And with at least cryptocurrencies and, and with Bitcoin in general, it's like people, I say this thing, 
they come for the Lambo and they stay for the revolution. Yes, maybe they come because they see price appreciation and they want to buy a Lambo, but they stay because they learn about the Federal Reserve. They ask, what is money? They figure out all the issues with our financial system that they literally never would have walked down this path if it wasn't for Bitcoin. So raising collective consciousness is something that I think that this does in general. And um, I, I just, it bothers me when like older people like try and like push down on it when I'm like, you're pushing down on something that is creating more minds to think like you do. Uh, so that's like, it's just an emotional appeal first. And then, you know, the whole not buy anything. It's like, what are all these computers plugged in around the world doing? Like, you're telling me that's not backing the entire system. Like it's, that's completely false. Right, right, right. That's why I like, I try to talk to them more on the, from the viewpoint of digital cash, right? Yeah. Cause I feel like everybody can understand that, like this need for, a cash-like utility for the internet. Yeah. And I think that's hard to argue with, especially with, even with boomers, right? Because they're used to using cash in the real world. Yeah. And they see the importance of it. Yeah. And now we're all moving into a digital world. There's not going to be any cash. The cash will no longer exist. What do you see as being the solution for that? And, they're, you know, they're, it's either you just don't think that's possible mm -hmm. or you do think it's possible. And for it to be possible, it's going to have to have some value for it to work. Yeah, That's what, what do they a, say when you when you ask that question? What is it backed by? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have. To I'm know. like it's backed by the utility of being able to do that. Yeah, like you need something that can provide that utility on the internet. That's yeah. literally what will back it. Is the network itself this this idea that you can use this network for purposes of transacting value without censorship. If yeah. you see utility in that concept, then it's going to have value. And yeah, that's the value that essentially backs the network. The most powerful and secure computer network that's ever been built by 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 mankind. If you, one of my favorite statistics is if you take the top 100 uh, supercomputers in the world and line them up to the Bitcoin network, not only does it embarrass them all, but all of them put together, it still embarrasses them. So it's it's a very serious piece of machinery that we've built in order to secure this monetary network. And same with Monero. You know, there's, yeah. it, you know, yeah. I don't know how many Monero nodes are running, but I imagine thousands and thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Monero takes a different approach with being CPU mined uh, and AC right, resistant. Yeah. But um, you get that you get that um, you get that same security model, and it's distributed amongst anybody that has anybody that has a, any kind of a basic system, you know, high end system from right, recent years. Right, you know, right, so. right. What do they say? It's not a cloud; it's somebody else's computer. Exactly. <laughs> like the cloud yeah. doesn't exist. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty insane. So you've been about. to Freedom Fest a bunch of times. This yeah, okay. I, I really like Freedom Fest. The crowd here is. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people that are interested in Liberty, but they just haven't like you, you're seeing like this is one of the only Bitcoin booths. There's like a scam coin over there that I'm trying to avoid. No, we had I interviewed the guy yesterday. I'm and not he was gonna, on my panel. I'm not going to confirm or deny. He was on my panel. I was like totally thrown off. I was like, cloud what? what? They just I, I feel like. <laughs> I've heard them talk multiple times and it seems like it changes constantly. So I don't know. In fact, they have the white paper over here. So yeah, we got to figure that out. <laughs> I'd love to read it. I know. Yeah. you guys. But it, um, it, there is like a integration happening now. And, you know, yesterday there was another Bitcoin debate. It was the great Bitcoin John Mackey, who I think is like a chairman of Whole Foods. He's like a, you know, economist type person. Another individual hated Bitcoin and two other people who were debating on the Bitcoin side. And he just kept saying, like, what is it backed by? What is it backed by? And my answer to that always is, is the computer network, like literally physical computers plugged in. You think about something like fax machines, right? And if you have one fax machine, like the system, the network is not valuable. But when everybody has a fax machine, then the network becomes valuable. And, and then it's just weird, too, because it's, it's pretty hypocritical because I feel like people in this crowd, they understand like that value is subjective. Right. And it, it's always subjective. A, a water in a time of drought, a water bottle in time of drought is going to cost way more than a water bottle today. And it's just weird that like they're applying things to Bitcoin just to have an argument that they probably wouldn't really apply when it comes to anything else. So, right. yeah. I also like this idea of, uh, of like an energy storage network as well, because you're taking real world energy, doing that work, and then you're putting it into a digital form where it's essentially being stored until it's used to, you know, to exchange value. So um, like we were talking about earlier with money being energy, 
this is a way that it's going from physical energy into uh, you know this digital realm for convenience sake because we need that proxy we need that uh, those instant global transactions these days so that we can do international commerce you know so yeah I think it's really interesting to think of how all these things are just energies and even like you could think of metal as an energy as well it's been stored created by you know these cosmic forces in you know theoretically a limited supply maybe if we rope in an asteroid the, the supply is going to go way up but uh, but you know theoretically limited yeah 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 no, no great points I think uh, I don't know I, I think Michael Saylor gets a little crazy though with the you know Bitcoin is digital energy is, is that like what he essentially uh I, I've heard some of his theories on it, but I, I, I wouldn't yeah. be able to tell you I, I, I'm I first know. on it. I think it's a little too far. Di digital energy doesn't really make sense. I think he's one of the top holders of Bitcoin, <laughs> and he's just, I mean, uh, so. exciting. Sounds yeah. exciting. So like, I, I think he's kind of misusing, I think he's going a little too far with the physics analogies to yeah. basically, he's basically trying to say, like, Bitcoin is a law of nature. Like, and it's mm -hmm. just, I think you got a little, you got a little too far with, with Michael's that a funny guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What's, what do you, what's your take? So I uh, I didn't know who Michael was, but one of my girlfriends brought me over to his house. We just had lunch with him. Michael Saylor? Yeah. Holy shit. And uh, I, no, this was before he liked Bitcoin. Okay. So we're sitting there talking and I'm just talk, start talking about Bitcoin. And he w got really upset, was not like having it. We had a little debate. Um, and my girlfriend was like, like, you know, stop, right, to me. And I was like, all right, fine. Uh, but it was, it's pretty interesting because now, and it's actually, I wouldn't really talk, publicly talk about this, but he's... He was asked publicly before, like, who do you remember taught you about Bitcoin? And he said my name. So now I feel comfortable, oh, like, amazing. saying it. Yeah. I'll send you the video. It's pretty so interesting. why don't you teach him about Monero? I mean, what do you know? <laughs> it was, I mean, at the time, He's though, he, he was completely, like, he was completely against it and was not having the conversation. Really? Yeah. And now, like, I went over to his house for, I think it was, like, Christmas dinner, and I walk into the room. He's like, hey, I remember you. I'm sorry. I've seen the error of my ways. And like, what were his arguments at the time? Um, probably the typical ones. Like, I don't remember right now, but it was probably pretty typical. Like, what is it backed by? You know, things like that, which at the time, I mean, this was 2018, maybe 17, 18 when I first like had this conversation with him. Um, but I'm, so anyways, now I feel like he's become such a champion for the industry to people that would never understand it otherwise and never even look at it otherwise. But he also is like one of the largest holders of Bitcoin yeah. and, or his company is at least. And so he's got to continually make up, not make up, but, you know, come up with arguments. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he yeah. seems to be like, isn't he like kind of OK with KYC AML and right? He's yeah, I see. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but like, it seems like he, he's. He just wants the Bitcoin price to go up. It seems like every he's not so concerned about it as a tool for censorship resistant. I, I would agree with you. I, is what I feel, right? It's I mean, when like, you look into MicroStrategy as a company, they, I think like, I, think, I, I don't know, like BlackRock or Blackstone, one of them owns double digit percentages, low double digit percentages. And then they, you know, the company as well is a huge, uh, what they do is they do government consulting. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it's a, yeah. He's made comments on Monero. I think he's like, his Monero line is like, if you have to use a Monero, use a Monero. Like, like yeah. if you need privacy, then use Monero. But yeah. like, he's not interested in it otherwise. Yeah, I feel like for public figures, it's a little hard to come out with something about Monero. You just, you got to be well, careful. Why? why is that? Why are people, I mean, it's free speech. You know, yeah. people are, it's not controversial to come out and say, you know, we, we need free speech. It's important, right? Yeah. Need the Fourth Amendment. Like, why is it controversial to be like we need so I would unstoppable say it is money that people? To say that though, is it? I yeah. mean, it's a little. I, I mean, do I think it's correct? Yeah, I think that that it is controversial, especially today. Oh yeah, there's a sector of yeah, yeah but there's it's super controversial actually. So that's probably why self-preservation is like what a lot of people are interested in, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. But the people that are already out there that are like the liberty-minded people, like everybody here. Yeah. But they're not all screaming Monero, digital cash, digital cash. They don't understand yeah. technology here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> if you're watching, if you go to Freedom Fest, most of them don't. I didn't know what to expect when I came here. This oh, is really? my first time. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. A lot of good speakers. Tremendous amount of people. Like, it's a yeah. sea of people. It seems and like there's more people here than last year. And 
I've kind of noticed like a higher caliber uh, of conversation this year, personally, just anecdotally. I don't know if that's because there's different people here or because the people that were here last year, like most people in these kind of movements and that are freedom principled, have learned so much in the past year that the conversations have just like a- in aggregate have evolved uh, in a in a positive they're direction. Learning. So like, yeah, they're learning, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm one of them, right? You know, we all are. We're all we're all on this path. We're figuring out. You know, how can we approach life and help our neighbor, you know, with with these principles of freedom and respect for each other and, you know, you know, live in peace. Like what a concept, you know, that we've been outsourcing this idea for 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 too long. And now we're finally coming back and realizing that actually we're responsible for creating this world, you know. Yeah, definitely, man. And I love just like the mix of people. There's a lot of yeah. interesting ideas floating on here. Just everybody kind of working on their own little liberty project. Things that I would never even think of and that they're that they're working on that's liberty oriented. Yeah, and I think very cool in that respect. Yeah, you find a lot of people here who are actually active. Like how many people here are running for some state position in Nevada? I mean, Andrew Yang's here. Yeah, I grabbed him as he walked by and tried (laughs) to get his comment on Monero. He's like, I love technology. Like he was like, all right, I love. Actually, I told him about Ross Ulbricht because Lynn wanted to meet him. And so I told him, do you know Ross? Like I should. And like my pitch wasn't good enough, but I should have told him there's almost half a million signatures for his um, for his, like to get it like his petition, because maybe he would have been interested considering he's trying to run for politics. But I was just like, this is the underbelly of the crypto industry. Like you need to make sure that you know who Ross is. And so he was like, Ross Ulbricht, got it. So hopefully, I mean, we'll see. I just I feel like. That's for whatever reason super political to talk about somebody who made a website. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Crazy. Scary. Yeah. Super scary. Double life sentence. Right. I mean, yeah. insane. You know who else should, would be good to get on? And I'll and I'll see if I can uh, snag him. Um, Larry Sharp. He's running for. I did get him on. I, I spoke good, to him. Good, yeah, we had a great conversation. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's he's awesome. a big pro cash guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we're gonna wrap it up because we want to go hang out by the pool a little bit before oh, we yeah. before we're we hit the be road. Out there with you, man. Yeah, <laughs> and every, it looks like people are starting to wrap up anyway. Yeah, so but, I hear a lot of packing tape yeah. and boxes being constructed right we, now. We tried doing the show yesterday, but we were overwhelmed with other things. Uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you jumping yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much for the opportunity. See you guys around. Yeah. Anything you guys want to mention? Say to the audience before we close it out. To the Monero uh, yeah, loving sure. audience. I would I'd love for people to check us out at start9.com. Our software is all open source, so you don't have to give us a dime or uh, get in contact us, with us in any way. If you choose to compile that that source and run it yourself, that's totally up to you. So yeah, start9.com. potentially coming soon. I am, I'm working on it. It's like we've got you know a huge priority list like most uh, engineering teams do, but uh, but it will come. It will come. Awesome. Uh, one thing I would say is like if you guys have the ability to tell people in that are work in technology people that are really technology minded that can actually build the systems of the future make sure you tell them not to take the paycheck right because there are a lot of companies that are going to come in and like they'll pay you a paycheck for you to build something but you're literally building infrastructure for like control so you know if you can like make that part of your ethics and then share that as part of the ethics i think people who are tech minded i hope that people who understand technology tend to like want freedom um, so it's important for us like within our community to be able to share that and also if you're bored uh you can check me out at bank of erica on twitter e-r-y-k-a is how you spell my name i don't tweet much but maybe i will but start when doing you do that. yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we're out thank you for joining us on this week's Topia episode we stream live shows every saturday at 11 a.m eastern you can find and subscribe to our show on youtube and odyssey or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter or join us in the Monerotopia Telegram group. See you all next week.